thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, with a loud voice. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. Morning by morning. New mercies I see. Listen to this next verse. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Do we have the next verse? Pardon for sin. No, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. And the peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to God. Oh, don't you need this? Strength for today. And bright hope. And bright Hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine. Blessings all mine. With ten thousand beside. Like a mass choir, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, all I have needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faith. Lord, unto me. Lord, it's true. Great is your faithfulness. And the fact is, Lord, some of us just needed to be reminded. Some of us came in today broken and heart heavy, soul distra- distracted. And Lord, what we need now is to be reminded that. Your faithfulness, not only there, it is great. Need to be reminded that your spirit is with us. That your goodwill is toward us. That you think good thoughts about us. And that you love us well. Lord, I'm praying for those who are here who are just discouraged and broken. Those who have worked as hard as they could and the results that they wanted did not come. Those who are coming back from a destructive lifestyle, Lord, that you would uh, help them to navigate through the consequences and give them wisdom and peace during that process. Lord, those who are coming back again after having uh, spent time with you and loved you and then walked away, Lord, I pray that you give them mercy and you remind them that your faithfulness is new every morning. Your mercies are new every morning. Your goodness is new every morning. Remind us, O God, and for us it will be enough. So, keep on moving in our souls about how great your faithfulness is. We need that, O God, because what we're going to be asked to do today is impossible without your faithfulness. So help us, O God, to walk in Christ and do that which is impossible for us to do. 
but that, that which only He can do. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. We ask that you give them suffering grace as they suffer for the gospel. We ask that you help them to reach their communities, their networks, the people that they're uh, around. And we pray, Lord, that you do the same for us. We thank you, O oh God, uh, for being with us. And Lord, we pray for the families of the two just terrible tragedies. Um, uh, the bomb and the explosion, Lord, one in Boston, the other one. Lord, we ask that you just move in the hearts of the families. Lord, give them suffering grace. Help them to endure this great and difficult time. And help us, O oh God, to be uh, ministers of peace unto all those people that you would have us com communicate with and connect with. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, today I'm going to ask you to do the absolute most difficult thing that I can possibly ask you to do. How's that? Um, and we need to be reminded that God's faithfulness is fantastic and it's great and it's beyond what you can think and beyond what you can do. Uh, we're going to go right into the text. But before we do, I want to tell you a, a quick story. Um, I, when I was young, I wasn't as... Um, oh, how do you say? I wasn't as... Um, I didn't obey the laws all the time. All right. And so, I know I clean up well, but it's the truth, right? And so there was one time where I didn't know, but my friend was driving a stolen car. I thought it was, no, I'm kidding. Of course I knew it was his. It was, so we stole a car, and it was a Monte Carlo, right? A V8 Monte Carlo, really, really super fast Monte Carlo, right? So we got into the Monte Carlo, and it was... Max, and I can't remember the other guy's name. We'll call him Mario, just for the sake of uh, the story. I can't remember his name, though. It probably wasn't Mario, but it might have been. Um, so, Max and Mario. Mario's driving the car. Max is uh, on next to him. And they're telling me, and Raymond, by the way, who was in it. So, let me It wasn't just me. It wasn't just me. And might I add, and might I add, that it was Raymond's influence that got me there. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, who are here for the first time, Raymond is one of the associate pastors, along with Gus, who you just saw, and the elders, which Claudio and Pedro, they're around here serving somewhere. Uh, okay, so, um, well, Raymond was with me, and, and so he talked me into it, because I was a good kid. And so, um, and so we're driving, now they're telling the story about how they outraced police officers, jumped over bridges, made hairpin turns, and got away from a dozen or so cops. Did anybody grow up on that corner where guys would talk about that stuff? Yeah, that was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? On my corner, people could fight like Bruce Lee. People could, like, yeah, yeah, it was like that, right? That was my corner, right? And so, and so we're driving. And so what happens? There's a police car driving towards our direction. As they're driving towards our direction, I'm, I distinctively say this. Be cool. Meaning, don't do anything that will attract negative attention to yourself. And at that point, both. All, every person in that, Raymond, Max, and Mario, every one of them did this, including Mario, who was driving, did this. <laughs> For those of you who are listening on tape, they covered their face with their hands and put their head down. Right. So, oh my goodness. What did they, and I'm the only one who's like, is identifiable because I'm the only one who didn't do that, right? So I'm just trying to be cool and I'm looking towards the back and what are the police doing? Anybody know? They're turning around. They're turning around. They're going to chase down Mario Andretti over here, uh, who can outrace any car. Well, what he does is he slams on a V8. This is a Monte Carlo, man. This is not a, you know, it's a, it's a, it, this, this thing rules, right? So it just, he slams on the gas, makes a right turn into a one, I remember this distinctively. Raymond has like a panic attack, an anxiety attack, and starts smacking the guy in the foot. Drop me off at the six, drop me off at the six, because then 126 was there. Drop me off at the six, drop me off at the six. He's having an anxiety attack, losing his mind. And so I'm there, and we're all screaming, right? Because we're like, yeah, because the police are chasing us. And nobody believed this kid's story about outracing any cars. Nobody believed that. And so we're racing. And so he makes a right turn. He goes up a one-way street the wrong way and crashes into a parked car. <laughs> Not like 15 feet into the block as soon as he got on the corner, right? <laughs> he parked into a car. He parked into a parked car. Couldn't believe it. 
Now, there's more to that story, but the end result is, you know, is that we got away and, you know, we run really fast. We're Puerto Rican. So, and so, <laughs> so, what happened was, is that immediately I knew that everything that he, once he crashed into that parked car, I knew immediately that everything that he said about being like this incredible driver driving away, I knew it was all alive because it didn't match up with what I had just experienced. Right? Come close. Listen to me. That's what we're going to be talking about today. This principle that what is in you should reflect outside of you. Who is in you? You cannot walk around saying that you are a Christian. I mean, you can if you want to, but the, it, it, it lacks just like. It lacks validation when the guy crashes the car, two cars into a block. It makes you look like a liar when you say, I am in Christ, I love Jesus, but I do not love my brothers and sisters. I am in Christ, I love Jesus, but I do not forgive the people that I fellowship with at Recovery House of Worship. I am in Christ and I love Jesus, but I hate my mother that I can't, so much that I can't even give her a phone call. I am in Christ and I love Jesus. However... I hate. It's to this that we're going to be giving ourselves to. Today we're going to be speaking about fellowship. Now, I want you to know that the problem with giving this message is the complexity of it. Because here's the problem. Here's the deal. You ready? Okay. There is a ton of people that I'm speaking to right now that, are, that have been given culturally a bad example of love and secondly, internally, are so, I don't want to say codependent, because that makes it sound cooler than it actually is, co-idolatrous. And what they do is that they take, they take their focus off of Jesus, and when I say they, I mean us. What we do is we take our focus off of Jesus and we say, we're not going to worship Jesus, we're going to worship Him. We're not going to worship Jesus, we're going to worship Her. And here's how I know. Because if the boy tells you, hey, I want you to come to my um, sanctuary, bedroom, and worship on my altar, bed, then what you do is you say, I'm going to obey you because you're my God. Even though God says, don't do that, I'm going to obey my real God. And when the girl says, don't go to church, pursue me, not Jesus, you say, I'm going to obey and pursue you and her. Why? Because I'm co-idolatrous. So the problem with giving our message today is that some of you are going to take this to fortify your sickness. I don't know how to shoot it any straighter than that. And so I need you to take this. This message should make everyone feel uncomfortable. If you feel peace at the end of this message, you missed it. You're confused about it. If you feel good at the end of this message, you have no clue of what I've just said. This is not a message to make you feel good. This is a message to challenge you to love sacrificially. And so, there's that side. But and then there's another group of people that I'm going to start sharing about what it means to love others. And it, sometimes it means to tell the truth to others and, in ways that sometimes it hurts them. And you just can't wait to go home and give a piece of your mind because the pastor said that you could share what you... Do you understand? And so you are far, far, far too eager to do the action of this message and not to produce the love of this message. So to you, you if you don't feel uncomfortable, if you, then I've not done my job and you've not heard the message and God's word has not spoken or pierced your soul. So you should, today, as soon as we leave from church, everybody should feel pretty lousy. Okay? Okay? So let's say this all together. I'm going to feel lousy. One, two, three. I'm going to feel lousy. Great. Excellent. Now I'm glad that you're with me on that. I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word because God's Word is holy, perfect, and pure. And we stand in reverence of it. Now, for you new people, aren't you glad that you came to a pastor's church who steals cars? Yes. Thank you for giving your money. And so, um, okay. All right. 
So, we're going to read together. We're going to read together. And um, I want you to clue in. This is really some of the most challenging, convicting scriptures you're ever going to read, ever. On the count of three, we're all going to read together. Okay? One, two, three. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone is word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. May God bless the hearing and the reading and the doing of His Word. Please have a seat. Okay. Convicting, right? It's like, oh God, what did I come to church for this for, right? And, and by the way, we, and so you know, and we say this all the time, but it's good to be reminded, uh, you did not come to church, but I thank you for bringing the church into this building. Because the church is the building. You don't go to church, you are the church, if you're in Christ. And so, we are the church. The church is not an edifice, the church is not a building. The church is a group of people who meet together for, um, to uh, fellowship with the people of God and hear the Word of God, walk by the Spirit of God for the sake of the glory of God. We, are, we live for the One who died for us. His name is Jesus, and He loves you even if you don't love Him back. And so, I'm glad that you're here. And so, today we're going to go into this. Now, here's the... Um, here, all right, you know what? Let's just get right into this. This is a big deal. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. Stop right there. Now, one is a product of the other, but not necessarily vice versa. Here it is. Every time I preach from here... Remember the first week on this series? And by the way, this is uh, the third or fourth week on this series. And the first week, I try to lay, the ground, I try to lay down a groundwork. Because when you come and you come for the rest of the series, you could get the idea that Christianity is a set of things that you do. So last week, Gus preached an awesome... There wasn't that an amazing message from God. Aren't we grateful that God has given us such great communicators of His Word? So grateful for Gus and, his, um, and the gift that God has given him. So Pastor Gus preached a message about stewardship and about stewarding your time and talents and your finances and all that other stuff. And you could get the idea that if you're not a good steward or a good manager of the stuff that God has given you, then maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Or the week before, <clears throat> reading God. Is anybody still doing the 30-day challenge? Is that, I get, oh, man, I'm so excited about that. Hey, guys, if you're not doing the 30-day challenge, start today. It's as simple as this. If you're on the ground floor, just take one chapter in the book of Proverbs every day. Just whatever. And, and whatever today is. Like, somebody shoot out today's date. Today's the 20th. Go to Proverbs 28 and just read the chapter. It'll be good for you. It's wonderful. Okay, so, um, and so we did that. And we talked about how we're going to, what we take into our ears, our music, and what we read, uh, God's Word, is going to be really focused on honoring and, and loving and worshiping Jesus. And so that was that week and then the week before. But you could get the idea that when I preach that week, that to be a Christian means that you're reading God's Word every day. And if you're not reading... And by the way, um, it, don't hear me say that I don't want you to read God's Word. I want you to read God's Word. God's Word is awesome. I read it every day. It's wonderful. Listen to me. But reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. 
Being a good steward doesn't make you a Christian. These things are reflected through Christians, but doesn't make you one. And we get into a lot, a lot of trouble. In fact, almost every church that I go to gets this reversed. If you, then God. If you, then God. That's the formula for relationship with God. If you share the Bible with others, share Jesus with others, you know, uh, deal with your finances well, read your Bible, pray, fellowship with others, love well. If you, then God will love you. If you change your lifestyle, if you change your sexual orientation, if you change uh, the way you, uh, your bad behavior and your bad language, if you, then God. Then God will love you. Then God will accept you. Then God And and Christianity, by the way, that's every religion that I've ever known. I don't know another religion that is different than that except for followers of Christ. Followers of Christ, then God, that you. Then God hung himself on, God the Son came to earth, lived the life that you should have lived but did not. And died the death that you deserve to die but don't have to. Live the lifestyle that you should have but you did not. Then died on the cross. Taking on all of your sins, all of your punishment for all of eternity. Taking on all hell on his shoulders for your sake. Dying and rising again from the dead. Now watch this. Because God did that. Out of that flows the joy, what the Bible calls the joy of the Lord, which is produced and you just love people, not because you force yourself, but because it's natural. I don't force myself to breathe. Being human means breathing. Uh, I don't force myself to eat. Being human means being able to eat. Right? I don't force my, myself to think. Being human means, and, and I know that there are people who can't, like, you know, who got sick or whatever. My point is, um, you, you would you wouldn't say this is a normal human person um, if they couldn't breathe or they couldn't think. You would say, oh, they must be sick or something like that. So, first, Jesus does all this work for you, puts his spirit in you, gives you the desire to follow him, changes your heart, changes your destiny from destination hell to destination heaven. First, Jesus does all of this then he produces certain things inside of you. Like stewardship, reading God's word, and fellowship, being rooted in fellowship, what we're going to talk about today. I feel the need to reinforce that because I don't want you to think that being in Christ means doing a bunch of stuff. Does this make sense? Okay. With that being said, let's look at this word again. Look at this verse again, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. In other words, and in fact, let me read 3 through 6 as a, as in its totality because it's really one thought and it's pretty marvelous. Verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Now, this is crazy. The Bible says that it's possible for you to be perfectly certain that you're in Christ. That there doesn't have to be any ambiguity. If you ask a Muslim, are you sure you're going to be able to make it to heaven? He'll say, I don't know. That's up to Allah. If you ask a Buddhist, they say, well, there really isn't a heaven. Um, There's just, you know, uh, nirvana or or you get uh, uh, absorbed into the essence of the universe. Right? If you ask, if you ask anyone else, no one is sure. It is up to the gods. And that is an unknowable deal. But in Christ, we can know. We can know. We can walk in assuredness. We can walk in confidence. When Satan comes uh, to us and convicts us of our sin, we can go, truly, I know I am of the Lord because He paid the penalty for my sin. He did what I could not do for myself because He did it, because He completed the work, because He made me right with God, because He did that. Then I, therefore, am certain, secure, and safe in Christ. Now, but there's something that is produced 
when Christ comes to live in you. Now, those of you who don't know Jesus, it is possible for you to have the qualities that we're going to be talking about here and yet not know Christ. Did you know that? It's possible to sort of muster these things up, drum these things up. Love, kindness, forgiveness, fellowship. It's possible to muster that up in your own will. But it's, it's not the kind of love as we're going to see in a second. So what happens in us, Christ changing us, changing our heart, working through us, what happens in us should happen through us, is what the Bible is saying. And you can know that you're in Christ if you're obeying His commands. But you go, well, what commands? Because, gosh, there's a lot of commands in the Bible, right? So what commands are there? He says, dear friends, verse 7, I am not writing uh, you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. What's the message? Here it comes. Yet I am writing, and this is, this is very interesting. In verse 7, he goes, I'm not writing you a new command, I'm writing you an old command. And then in the next verse, he says, this is actually not an old command, it's a new command. What are you saying? Okay, you're confusing us here, John. Um, what are you saying? John is saying that this is something that all of you have known since you were kids. This is something that all of you have uh, received since you were kids, but it's in a different power in a different way, with a different authority, in a different spirit. This is an old command, but it's kind of new, because it's in a new way. Um, you know, uh, some of you have uh, said, you know, when you, when you got married, you know, you say something like this, I've never been in love like this. It's a new love. It's, now, I've known love before, and, you know, I had such and such a girlfriend or such and such a boyfriend or such and such a thing. You know, you, you, I know, I know that I've loved before, but I've never been in love like this. It's old and it's new. I, I've, I've heard of it, but I'm experiencing it fresh for the first time. There's, uh, I used to love, but now I love in a totally different way. That's what he's speaking about when he gets to verse 8. So he goes, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command in verse 7. And now in verse 8 he says, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The darkness, that is, those who don't know Christ and the beauty of his salvation, the work that he's done for us on the cross, that darkness, um, not knowing that, is darkness. And that darkness is fading away. And the light is coming, acknowledging Christ as Lord, living in the joy of the Spirit, walking in the delight of His Word. That truth is dawning on us. And we're getting it. And He's speaking to us. Anyone, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Stop. This is why I say this is the toughest sermon you're going to hear. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Now look up at here. This is specifically, John is talking to his church. This group of people. And this church who is loved by Jesus has been given a pastor named John. That's why we call it 1st John. Because there's three more. There's two other letters other than this. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And they're in error. And the error that they were into was Gnosticism. Gnosticism. And what the Gnostics believe is that knowing God was an experiential thing. Knowing God. Here's what knowing God is. Knowing God is being in a crowd and singing songs and having tears roll down your face and your heart flutter and your hairs stand up and you go, Oh, oh, look, look! I know and love God! Knowing God is, is something secret that's done somewhere on the inside, but that's as far as it goes. And if anybody would have went to a Gnostic, now we get, now, it was like, Gnostic uh, is a Greek word, it, we get um, our word knowing from it. Like, to know God, to know. And so the Gnostics would say, no, 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 you don't understand. I know God. Well, how do you know? Because when I pray, I cry. 
No, no, no. You don't understand. I know God. Really, tell me why. Because when God speaks to me, my hairs stand up. No, no, no. But you don't understand. I know God. Really, how do you know? Well, I don't know. I just get this fuzzy feeling inside. Now, that doesn't sound very far off from what we hear about Christ followers today. And so John, knowing that they are stuck on this fuzzy feeling, he says, no, 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 there's something else that demonstrates your love. Now, let me just share with you this. In Christ, there's both. There's both fuzzy feeling and real fact. Right? There's the, the, the subjective you know, in other words, oh, I just sense God's presence. I feel, I cry when I pray. I cry when I pray. In fact, it's the only time I cry is when I pray. It's because I, I just, uh, just God just moves. His love is so overwhelming to me. I don't know any other response. So those fuzzy feelings, that's not bad. But if that's the only criteria that you're basing your relationship in Christ and you don't have this truth-following, fact-yielding, uh, uh, um, theologically theological obedience to Christ then you've missed it and so John is speaking to a people who are all about the feelings and he's saying listen it's more than just feelings it's fact there's something else here and he says in verse 9 anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness now John is speaking to a church so when he says brothers He's talking about the people that are meeting in this congregation. So, everybody, look to the right of you. Okay? I know you're going to be looking at the back of someone's head. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look to the right of you. Now look to the left of you. Right? Now, now look at me. Okay, great. Now, what you've just seen potentially is your brother. When you're, I know you go, oh, no, she's my sister. Listen, when the Bible talks about brother, and with some of you, I'm not sure. So, um, but what the Bible says... When the Bible says brother, it means relative. Sort of like when I um, say, hey guys, come this way. I'm not talking to men. I'm talking broadly in a generic sense. So when the Bible says brothers, it means uh, uh, those who are in family in, in Christ. So it's brothers and sisters. So those of you who you just saw the back of their heads, those people are brothers, potentially. Not everyone here has bowed the knee to Christ. At which point I go, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because now you're going to get to hear something about the Christian walk that will help you decide whether you want to be a Christian or not. And if you're not in Christ, this might be reason enough for you not to follow Christ. If you're here, you might go, well, I could never do that. I could never walk with that kind of selfless love. You don't know what they did to me. You know what happened when I was young. And that might be your story. And if that is in fact your story... I'm so glad you're here because only God can do what we're asking you to do. So you're not on the hook for this one. In other words, you could hear this message and you could just, okay, so that's what Christians have to do. But this is not what non-Christians have to do because you can only do this in the power of Christ. Okay, so he says again, let's go back to anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Listen to me. So it starts with those who are in Christ. Now, think of the people that you worship with. Those who are around you right now. Think of the ones you don't like. Is there, is there a face that comes to your name? Is there a name that comes to your face? Right? Is it just... Right? Some of you, some of you, not at all. I love everyone. You know what we call you guys? Newcomers. Right? Because you spend enough time with us and you're going to find somebody to like. To not like. You spend enough time... Listen to me. You spend enough time with me and I'll give you reasons not to like me. I absolutely will. Because I'm caught up in my own world. Isn't it true that like you're caught up in your own world? You're like self-centered. Now, we're hoping that Christ is working that out of us. But the truth is, is that you live long enough with a person and you find out things not to like. Right? And so, um, for those of you who could actually think of people within this community that you go, you know what, the reason I'm coming to the 9 o'clock service is because it's someone I want to avoid at the 11. Or at the 1, one o'clock. Right? Yeah, and their nervous laughter is making me nervous. And so, how true that was. And so, and so, and so, now watch this. Now watch this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. 
you must not know love. You must not know the love of Christ. Now, now watch me. There are, this is, not, this is not speaking, and again, oh man, the co-idolaters. Let me speak to you for a second, okay? What happens is, co-idolaters get into very dysfunctional relationships. When I say dysfunctional, I mean with a capital D, right? Like, oh, but I love him. Yes, I know, but he's married. <laughs> and, and he's told you that all he wants is physical. He goes, no, 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 but that'll change. Oh. No, really, it won't change. Listen, when someone tells you that they're a snake, here's the rule. Believe them. Okay? Believe them. Oh, good night. And so, and so, right, so what happens is, is that we get, so what I'm about to say to you is going to right now cosign your sickness. Right now, what I'm about to say to you is like, oh, you see, Pastor Edwin said, oh, but aren't we supposed to be loving? I can't tell you how many times parents have come up to me and watching their kids destroy themselves with the use of drugs, and I always give the same, I said, do me a favor, just lock the door, change the door, change the lock on the door. The most loving thing you can do for that kid is to change the door. They go, but no, I love him, I can never do that. My response is always the same, you will. You will. It just, you won't do it in control. You'll do it when you're out of your mind. See, because it's co-idolatry. You worship it. Oh, I could never do that. What, what do you mean? You couldn't love him enough to sacrifice your culture or your feelings? That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, okay, I understand now. And so, what, what we discover is that, uh, what we discover here is that this is a healthy kind of love. So, it's very possible for me to uh, so, watch this. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Now, many of you would say, but I don't hate anyone. I hear this a lot. No, hate's a strong word. I don't hate anyone. I was driving in a, a van with someone, and they said, oh, I can't, you know, colorful words, stand this person. And I said, really? Yeah, I just, I just hate them. And then after a couple of seconds, it dawned on them that I was like, I was just silent. I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot to confess to someone you just met two hours ago, right? And so, and so uh, I, was, I was listening to them. And then they went, and then they said, well, hate's a strong word. But I really, and not, I was like, I don't care what word you put on it. It looks an awful lot like hate, right? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you know, you could call it fuzzy wuzzy, but, you know, it looks like, you know, a rose by any other name, right? It's still, okay, so... Um, so, um, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Listen to me, listen to me. There's good reason to hate some people, isn't there? Sometimes people do offensive and afflicting things. Some of us, some of us are going to have to struggle with our sexual identity because of the stuff that happened to us when we were kids, long before we, we were ever mature enough. To be able to understand what sex was, sex was, it was imposed on us. And we're going to struggle with that for the rest of our life. I'm one of them. It's just something I'm going to have to struggle with for the rest of my life. Bad things happen. A man invited me into a bedroom one day and then I died. I never recovered from that day. And so all sorts of things happened in my soul. I was and and I saw him one time, one time after that, maybe twice, um, because he was not far from the neighborhood that I lived in. And he was in a car. And as he drove by, he stuck his tongue out at me. And I remember just being frozen and shocked. And it was as if I was, you know, 10, 11 years old again, you know. And I'm in the room and bad things are happening, right? And I'm just sort of frozen. And then after the frozen thing, I just got Angry. And the only thing that I could describe it as was hate. If he would stop that car, I would hurt him. If he would, if he would just give me enough, I just, I want to see him one more time on the street. And, and so, now watch this. Now he's not my brother, or maybe he did. Maybe he repented and came to Christ, and he is my brother. And, and in that case, then, you know, all of my desires to want to kill him have come true because he's died in Christ. Christ died for him. And because he paid, you know, he got the executioner's chair in Christ, I can then love him. Isn't that precious? 
That's how we can forgive. But that's the point. We can't say that we've been forgiven much if we don't forgive those who have been forgiven much. Anyone who says that they're in Christ, but they hate their brother, liar! You don't know the truth. In fact, you're still in darkness. And the fact that you say you see makes you more culpable in your guilt. Because you're but you go, but you don't know what they did to me. Please. Listen. Listen. And, and I, I didn't mean that please like I'm trying to poo-poo your, your thing. I'm just I'm saying please hear me. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I mean, the, the, some of the stuff that we hate people for is serious deal. You, don't, you understand? I'm not trying to be flippant about this. But please, please, listen. If you're in Christ, no one has ever done anything to you that you haven't done to Christ Ten times worse. No one. And you go, I don't believe that. Then you don't know the gospel yet. Because the fact is, if anybody ever sinned against me, they sinned against a sinful human being who has sinned against others. But when I sinned against Christ, I've sinned against someone who's holy, perfect, and pure. I've sinned against someone who's only loved me, who's only done for me, who's only given me, who's only provided for me, who's only sacrificed for me. And so, the Bible is speaking to us and says, whoever claims to be in the light, that is, to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, and hate your brother, then you don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're in the dark. Yeah, but my brother, and yeah, but my mother, and some of you right now, listen to me, listen to me. You wouldn't say this. All right, everybody, look at me. Look at me. Do not, in this next second, as I explain what I'm going to explain to you, nudge, look, stare at the person next to you. Look at me. Don't turn, don't elbow, don't nudge, go, don't go, mm-hmm. Don't do any of that. Look at me. Some of you live with the person you hate. And it's shown in everything you say and do. And you wouldn't say, no, I don't hate that person. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't, you, it's not something that you would verbalize. But you live like you hate that person. You're a husband and, 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 and coming home late while your wife is worried about you, it's, it's so what? Deal with it. With your husband, even though, even though there are some trust issues there, and he's not sure if he can trust you and all that stuff because of some things that have happened in the past, you just don't pick up your phone. And you go, deal with it. Oh, but he's called me seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we sin against each other, it has some ramifications. See, there are some things that we do that are effectively... If, listen to me. If I never talked to you, and I was an alien in the world, and I just observed you, and I could observe you from a corner in your apartment... I would qualify, and I, and I only had two words to qualify you or categorize you in. It's love or hate. I would go, I would look at some of your lives, and you would maybe even look at mine. And you would say, loves, loves, hates, hates. And for some of you, it's, it's one or two of your children. Maybe you're so disappointed in them. Maybe you're so brokenhearted by them. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they haven't reached your expectation. For some of you, it's your spouse. It's the person you're married to. Oh, but you don't understand what they've done to me. And I've tried to talk to them about this. And over and over, and I get it, I get it, I get it. Listen to me. You've never been offended to the degree that you've offended Christ. i got to run. I'm sorry, there's so much more here. Here's the big idea. You ready for the big idea? This is the only thing that I want to get across to you today. Proof that you're loved in Christ is that you love like Christ. Proof that you're loved in Christ is that you're loved like Christ. I'm going to say that one more time because some of you are not writing it down. Okay, listen. Proof that you're loved in Christ is that you love like Christ. And all we have to do, we go, oh, but you don't understand. I've given them my love. And they've only returned, hey, really, tell me more. Because you know what happened with Jesus? The people that he was dying for, 
The people that he was giving his life as a ransom to were driving nine-inch nails through his hands. And while he was, while his back was raw, while his hands were extended, while his body was failing, with the last few breaths that he had, he spoke forgiveness unto the very people that had hurt him. It's that kind of love that lives in you when you're in Christ. And if that kind of love lives in you when you're in Christ, then you tend to love like Christ. Give me a bulletin. So it's, it looks an awful lot like this. So, let's read uh, verse 10 and 11. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. Did you hear that? Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. And there is nothing in him to make him stumble. Look up at me. When, what that means is, that doesn't mean that there is nothing in him that like, you know, doesn't cause him to make a mistake or sin or anything like that. But when we are walking in Christ, we don't give anybody else a reason to turn from Christ. That's what it means to be a stumbling block to someone. Now, it's possible because, I mean, good night. There are people, literally, who, man, I could, I could show you people. In fact, there are people in the room right now who have given themselves over to people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when I say in a healthy way. Like, oh man, this guy is in trouble. Oh man, he's using. Oh man, he's doing a self-destructive thing. Come into my home. Uh, let me feed you. Uh, let me be there for you. And two years of this. And then they move out and they, they get back on their feet. And, and what happens? You know, they, you know, they, uh, the, the person who was helped calls the person who helped them and they don't call them in two days. And they go, oh, so it's like that? I literally, literally had an experience like that. I'm, 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 I haven't responded because I'm so upset. I'm so upset. And I'm thinking, okay, I gotta live this out because I'm preaching this. And I just, you know, oh man. But it's like, oh, I guess if I was a newcomer, then you would have, shut up. I was like, why does texting exist at all? I was like, surely not for this. And, 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 and I just have to, I have to love well. I have to, my response has to be one of love. My response has to be that. No, but every time I love it. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not talking about keeping, I'm not talking about letting the little kids stay at Uncle So-and-So's house who's known to molest children. That's not what I'm talking about. That's retarded. That's lacking wisdom. That's not, you understand what I'm saying here. That's, that's obscenely stupid, right? I'm saying that they, that you could still love that person. You can, you can share with him the love of the Lord. You can meet with them at a McDonald's and share with them the gospel. If, they're, uh, if they have no food, you can bring food over to them. You can serve them. If they don't have clothes, you can bring clothes over to them. You don't put your children in harm's way, but you love them. Does that make sense? Right? And, that, and, and so it is with the person that you're dating. You know, I'm not saying that you have to date them because they've proven themselves to be unfaithful, but you, know, you, could, you could point them to a service that you're not showing up to because you love them so much, but you don't want to trip yourself up. You don't make them stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. See, the unforgiveness comes from the fact that you don't know Jesus. And because you don't know Jesus and because you don't understand the gospel, then it's impossible for you to love. Because you say, I don't got, I'm not there yet. You'll say, I don't have that kind of love in me. You'll say, well, I just, I guess I'm not that mature. No, you're missing the point. This is not something you do. This is something that has been done in Christ. Because anyone, listen to me, this is a big deal. Anyone who's been loved in Christ, loves like Christ. Anyone who's been loved in Christ, has love like Christ. Yeah, but I love them and they betrayed me. Yep. Tell Jesus about that. Ask Jesus if he's ever loved anybody who's ever betrayed him. Our names are the first on that list, beloved. Our, my name. Your name is the first on the list. Remember those prayers you used to pray? God, if you get me out of this one. God, if you help me pass this test. God, if you have, you know, those prayers that you used to pray. And you go, God, if you do this, I, I, you know, I'll become a nun, right? And, or I'll become a priest or whatever. And that lasted all of five minutes, right? 
I'll go to church for the rest of my life and, and that lasted for as long as, to, you know, till the next movie came out and then you went to see it on Sunday. See, see, my point is, my point is, is that we love, not with our love, we love with Christ's love and it exudes out of us. So, I have right here a toothpaste. Does anybody see, I wonder if you can read what kind of toothpaste this is. Anybody know what kind of toothpaste? One, two, three, shout out. Okay, one, two, three. It's a Crest. Yeah, it's Crest toothpaste. Right? Okay. So, if, if Christ is in you, what's going to come out of you, it's what's advertised on the label. So, what's going to come out of Anybody knows what's going to come out of this Crest bottle? If I squeeze it, a toothpaste, are you sure? Are you sure, you sure it's not gravy? Right, now why would you say it wouldn't be gravy or chocolate? Why would you think? Because... Because that's what it qualifies itself as. And you can with great confidence say toothpaste will come out. Now watch this. Here's the question. Loving is only loving when you're squeezed. Any fool can love those who love them. You don't need Jesus for that. Anyone could love someone when they're being loved well. That doesn't, that doesn't add value to anybody. That doesn't... That's just, you know what that's called? That's called normal. That's just called the way of the world. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You don't upset me, I won't upset you. That's a deal. That's not love. That's not real love. But when you're squeezed, when people, when Jesus is demanding that you love someone who is unlovely, when you're squeezed, look, what comes out? I'm hoping... I'm hoping that what comes out is Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. When things don't go your way, when people have hurt your feelings, when, when, when your brothers right here in this congregation fail you, when the people in your home right here don't appreciate you, when love is not extended back after you've done so much, man, you've served and you've loved and you've given and you've served and you've loved and you've given and you've served and you've loved and you've given. And when it hasn't been reciprocated, listen to me, when you're squeezed, what comes out? Here's what Jesus would say. Those who are loved in Christ love like Christ. Christ, teach me how to love. So we're almost done, so I have to teach you. I have to do this and then go. Listen to me. This is big. Now, watch this. Some of you were counting the lights or were wondering, why is it getting dim? Or you lost me. Uh, you know, I lost you for the last five minutes. I need you to focus in because what I'm about to say is a big deal, okay? Don't think about what you're going to wear tomorrow or what you're going to eat later on. I need you to focus in on what I'm about to say, okay? It's a big deal. Now, watch. I cannot do what I'm asking you to do. I cannot. You cannot do what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is impossible. If you live according to your emotions, if you live according to your own strength, you will never, ever, ever be able to do what I'm asking you to do. And what I'm saying is that there's someone greater who can do it through you. Because he knows that if you're loved in Christ, you'll love like Christ. That if Christ is loves in you, he'll love through you. Because if you're loved in Christ, you'll love like Christ. So here's what it looks like. It looks like gazing on the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. It means going back to the gospel and going, oh, but you know what? So-and-so betrayed me. Just going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, have you ever been betrayed by someone who claimed to follow you? Yeah, but they were a Christian. They should have known better. Jesus, were you ever betrayed by one who was with you for years, served with you for years, who was a part of your inner circle. Have you ever been betrayed? And Jesus said, well, yeah, there was one. I know exactly how you feel. I absorbed it in myself. Jesus, how did you receive that? I loved him. I loved him. Because think about this. Jesus didn't have to wait to be betrayed before he knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew it all along. So for three years, he knows that this guy's going to cut his throat. And for three years, he kisses him and hugs him and loves him. And, well, 
And so you go, I'm betrayed, God, how do I deal with it? And Jesus goes, I know I've been betrayed too. And because I live in you, what I did for Judas, I'll do for Richard. What I did for Judas, I'll do for Susan. What I did for Judas, I'll do for husband. What I did for Judas, I'll do for wife. What I did for Judas, I'll do for child. What I did for Judas, I'll do for grandparent. What I did for Judas, I'll do for mom. But I, how I loved and forgave and drew to myself, I will do through you. And for the benefit of others, so that your joy would be complete. So here's what I want you to do. This week, someone's going to upset you. You know that, right? Right? Is this like a surprise to anyone? No. In fact, you're thinking of the people who are going to piss you off right now, aren't you? Yeah. Forgive the phrase. And here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to go. You're going to go, God, every time I come in on Monday morning, they always have this thing. Every time, every time I go into work, this person takes credit for my work. God, because you love in me, would you love through me? Because the proof that Christ has loved in me. That I love like Christ. God, when I come home, my wife, my husband is going to behave a particular way and it's hurting my feelings. Would you love, would you love them like you love me? Because the proof that, I'm, that I, I have Christ in me is that I love like You know, there's a, they're, your children, they just go, oh man, they're so rebellious. God, teach me what it looks like to love them well. And for some of them, it looks like locking the door and saying, you need to Here are four numbers to get into a detox. Here are three numbers to get into a hospital. But you just need help. Right now, Right now, he wants to take away the hate. And listen to me. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it by yourself. you got to ask Jesus. Jesus. Now, for those of you who don't know Jesus, this is a great opportunity for you to just go, Jesus, into my heart. Lord, would you just simply address my heart? just confess to Jesus. Jesus, I don't love like you because I'm not in you. I don't forgive like you because I'm not forgiven in you. I don't hold, I hold grudges unlike you because I'm not in you. God, show me the beauty of the gospel. Show me the beauty of what you so this week, you're going to be a... So those of you who don't know Christ, before I go into this week, some of you who don't know Christ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask, go confess your sins to Jesus. Go, Jesus, that Saturday, you know, don't argue with Jesus. Don't tell him I didn't know any better. Don't do that. Just go, I agree with you, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I desperately... I don't need a helper. I don't need a, a motivator. I don't need a self-help person. I need a savior. I need someone who will save my And, and what I want you to do is you have your yellow cards. I want you to write this and someone from the team will call you up and talk to you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So make sure that you understand what the gospel is. But for those of you, for those of you who know Christ and are still walking around with bitterness or hatred or I want you to go, God, reflect on the gospel. So when they fail you at work, when they fail you at home, when they fail you at school, when they fail you at the job, when they fail you in every area of life, I want you to simply surrender and say, Jesus, teach me how you were betrayed. Teach me how you were lied to. 
Don't go, but I never lied to them. Don't do that. Have I ever lied to God? But I never betrayed them. I'm not a betrayer. I'm not an infidel. I'm not unfaithful. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not to them, but I want you to ask that question to God. And this week, I want you to love with a radical love. For some of you, what that means is just saying to your boyfriend or girlfriend, I can't. We're just not going to be in this relationship. i got to love you better than that. I'm just using you so that you can give me security. This is not love. I'm just using you. And for others of you in your marriage, it's going to look like, hey, can we work this out? Can we go to some counseling? Can we do Because I just love you. And I want to love you better. And I know there's things inside of me that are not. We need counseling. Ask Jesus to search the, the details of your heart. But it's as we look at the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, and we realize, as we realize more about the gospel in us, we love more like Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this amazing truth that's really tough to Father, I ask that in Jesus' name there would be a sense of conviction for those that don't know Jesus. For those who are, have walked away from Jesus and don't live for Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would just illuminate them. Draw them to yourself. Help them to see you as beautiful. Help them to love you with their whole heart. Surrender to Jesus. Confess their sins. Be in Christ. Lord, I also pray that for those who are here, who know Christ, but still struggle with bitterness, I pray, oh God, that you would just move in their hearts, touch their lives, speak into their souls, help them to know you, love you, seek you, serve you, submit to you, that you would be lifted high. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Give us wisdom to know how to apply this message. But we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you know anyone?